Welcome to the Living Joyfully Podcast, where we talk about the intricacies of being in relationship with the people in our lives. Let's dig deep, challenge paradigms, choose connection, and live joyfully. Hi, and welcome to the Living Joyfully Podcast. We're happy you're here exploring relationships with us, who we are in them, out of them, and what that means for how we move through the world. If you're new to the podcast, we encourage you to go back and listen to the earlier episodes. We started with some foundational relationship ideas and just really have enjoyed how they're all building. And if you've already been enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you would subscribe and share. We really appreciate your support as it grows. Today's episode is part of the parenting series, and we're going to be talking about celebrating the child in front of you. Parenting can bring up a lot of things for people. And, you know, we want to do our best. We want to do all that we can. We want to do right by these children. We want to make sure that they have every opportunity to live their best life. And while all of those things and more come from this very loving place, it can sometimes lead us to developing expectations for our children and pushing them towards the things that we think are best. All the while, we're holding out this this end point, this goal of a child successfully raised and a job well done. When we bring the lenses we've been talking about on the podcast to this idea, it can really help being open and curious. There's plenty of time, consent, connection. All of the topics we've talked about before are critical to bring this relationship with our children, bring it to that relationship, or we may miss who they actually are and what they want from this life. Yes, yes, yes. Everything we talk about on the podcast applies fully to all our relationships with the people we love of any age. (laughs) Now, I do imagine that for some listeners, while it's been interesting to consider these ideas with regards to relationships with other adults, for the most part, they might not seem very applicable to relationships with children. And if that's you, and yet you're still curious why you might want to consider doing things differently and what that might look like, I invite you to check out the book, The Gardener and the Carpenter, What the New Science of Child Development Tells Us About the Relationship Between Parents and Children by Alison Gopnik. And we'll put a link in the show notes. She's one of the world's leading child psychologists, a professor of psychology and affiliate professor of philosophy at the University of California at Berkeley. And in this book, she explains how the familiar 21st century picture of parents and children is profoundly wrong. It's not just based on bad science, it's bad for kids and parents too. And I do love her gardener and carpenter analogies for parenting styles. So with the carpenter model, parents are working with a goal of producing a particular kind of adult. They are essentially trying to shape their child into a final product that fits the vision that they had in mind, their blueprint. So for them, parenting is about control. On the other hand, gardener-style parents work to create a protected and nurturing space for children to flourish. She explains that a good garden is constantly changing as it adapts to the changing circumstances. And a good gardener, quote, works to create fertile soil that can sustain a whole ecosystem of different plants with different strengths and beauties and with different weaknesses and difficulties too. 
In this way, being a good parent won't transform children into smart or happy or successful adults, but it can help create a new generation that is robust and adaptable and resilient, better able to deal with the inevitable, unpredictable changes that face them in the future. And she also dives into the rewards of being a parent, and it's not your child's grades and trophies. <laughs> she writes, they come from the moment-by-moment -moment physical and psychological joy of being with this particular child, and in that child's moment-by-moment -moment joy in being with you. And by the end of the introduction, she sets us up with this. So our job as parents is not to make a particular kind of child. Instead, our job is to provide a protected space of love, safety, and stability in which children of many unpredictable kinds can flourish. Our job is not to shape our children's minds. It's to let those minds explore all the possibilities that the world allows. Our job is not to tell children how to play. It's to give them the toys and pick the toys up again after the kids are done. We can't make children learn, but we can let them learn. Okay. <laughs> I think that shift in perspective from trying to shape a child into our vision of perfect to discovering, supporting, and celebrating the unique child in front of us makes all the difference in cultivating strong and connected lifelong relationships with our kids, right? That's the difference. You know, you are going to be in relationship with your child far beyond their childhood, right? <laughs> Yes, that's the hope anyway, you know, and it really is such an apt analogy. And I think it helps us to step back a bit and actually just kind of see how it's playing out. You know, we can think about how it felt in our childhood and what kind of relationship we want to have with our children kind of beyond those expectations. What do we want that relationship to feel like? Something that compounds this kind of tendency to control or have expectations is that we often come into parenting with these preconceived notions about what childhood is like. This could stem from our own childhood, which maybe we loved, or maybe we what we bring is in reaction to our childhood, what we want to do differently. But either way, it's a reaction to from the past, not a response to what is actually in front of us, the child and the family we have right now. Sometimes we think our child will be like us, you know, it goes back to how people are different. Our children are different. And if you have three kids, each one of them is their own unique person with their own way of being in the world. We don't want to hold this image we have in our head of them over top of the person that they actually are. And this goes to ideas about family culture, too, which you'll hear, you know, we're an outdoor family. We're a family of travelers. You know, we're a family of whatever you finish that sentence with. It deserves a second look because it's oh so very rare that an entire family wants to move through the world in the same way. Instead, we can embrace the idea that we are a family of individuals and together we support one another to live our best lives. Yes, yes. I love that image. Supporting and celebrating each family member, especially children, as the unique individual that they are. They are in this moment. We're not trying to mold them into an individual. They are an individual right now. And that actually better fosters a family atmosphere of joy and harmony than, you know, our family is or be nice to each other, your family, like all those phrases that just kind of come rolling out of our mouths. 
I also find that another common way that parents lump their children together and thereby undermining their individuality is by how they measure fair. The idea behind fairness is definitely an important one. To be fair is to be free from bias, is to not show favor for one child over another. But how do you measure fair? I find and I remember many families measure based on quantity, right? And we strive for equality. Um, We give all our kids the same number of gifts for holidays, or we spend the same amount of money on their birthdays, or we sign them up for the same number of rec activities. We can cling to this equality paradigm, but the scorekeeping can get so tiring, right? You just have to keep track of all this. And when you think about it, equality and what you give each child really isn't a helpful measure of fairness because what each child actually needs, each individual, is likely different. And to see this individuality in action, it helps to move past that image you were talking about that we have conjured up in our minds of that perfect child. No longer trying to cajole each of our kids into that bolt with varying levels of success. (laughs) And instead, just look clearly at the individual child in front of us and engage with that person. When we can do that, each child feels seen, loved, and accepted as part of the family. Even if what that support and engagement looks like is wildly different for each child, So at any given time, maybe one child needs more of your attention because they're sick or they're injured, while another is in the midst of a busy season with their favorite activity and needs you to provide supplies for it or transportation. And maybe a third is in a social season and wants your blessing to invite friends over regularly. So you may be giving each child very different things that take varying amounts of time, effort, money, energy, all those pieces. But when their unique needs are being met, they each feel seen and secure and celebrated for who they are as a person. I love that reminder that fair isn't the same as equal. You know, we want to help each person in our lives pursue the things that they're interested in. And that can look, as you said, just wildly different. You know, people feel much more seen and loved by tailoring our engagement and our resources to what suits them and helps them along their unique path over what an equal share of something they may not even want is. And I think it can be a really helpful framework to realize that what your child loves is who they are. So using the things we've been talking about to connect with your child, you know, listen, be open, have the conversations, really lean in to learn what they love and why. It may be that they love art or soccer or video games. You know, taking the time to understand and support their interests shows them that you see them and that you're celebrating the things that they love. And in that, you're celebrating them. And it's such an incredible gift to give the people in our lives that we love, that that we love them without judgment. And I think it's so important because I think so often for many of us, love had a judgment piece attached to it. And we can let that go. For many reasons, we feel, I don't know, comfortable judging children, it seems, you know, how they spend their time, what they're doing, how they're doing it. And I think perhaps we feel like it's coming from a place of love. It's an attempt to give our best advice. But more often than not, it's so disconnecting and it harms the relationship. 
that doesn't mean that we can't share the things that we've learned over the years, but with an understanding that those were our takeaways and theirs may be very different and they may have to learn it all on their own. You know, I know we can wish to save them from some of that hard work, but it just doesn't work that way. I'm sure we can all think back to times that our parents thought they knew what was best for us and they wanted to save us from this problem that we were running headstrong into, but it just never landed well. And I actually believe it creates what we're fearing because then our kids are less likely to come to us as they're figuring out things because they're fearing our judgment or our direction or that we're going to co-opt whatever it is they're doing. You know, if instead we can stay connected and curious, we can act as that trusted advisor and a sounding board as they find the paths that make the most sense to them. Yes, it is so interesting, isn't it? How we feel more comfortable judging our children Mm -hmm. than other adults. Yeah, I I think that ties back to that carpenter parenting style, which I think for many parents is the adult child relationship we know because that's how we grew up. We compare the child to the blueprint. We judge how close they are to that ideal. And then we have to use control (laughs) tactics at that Mm -hmm. point to make the adjustments that are needed to get them back on track. and. Absolutely not as starkly negative as that sounds, right? We love our kids and we want what we want what's best for them. But the real question is, who gets to define what is best? As a carpenter style parent, we want to define that, right? It's our blueprint, our vision of the best path from naive child to successful adult. They're our child. We want them to listen to us and learn from our mistakes so they don't have to go through similar challenges. But as you said, that's just not how human beings are wired to learn. And we differ from our children in many significant ways, right? And regardless of age, we all want to learn through our own experiences, right? Think about how we like to learn. We all want to explore the things that we find fascinating. And our children will feel more supported and cared for when they know that we have their backs that we love them and celebrate who they are. They feel safer coming to us with questions and to process things that have happened, knowing they won't be judged or scorned, but that we'll do our best to help them figure things out for themselves, right? So we're not there to tell them direction, but we're there to help them process and think things through to understand it for themselves. Like that's where the real learning is. When they see the context, they see the choices, they see how things unfolded. Now, definitely we can share our experiences with them as information that they might find helpful, But we can do it without that expectation that they adopt it wholesale. Again, we're different people and we're all in different places in our lives too. Like where we were at that age, what life was like at that age is different than what life at that age is like for them too. And my goodness, (laughs) the lightness and the joy that comes with celebrating the amazing child that you love is priceless versus the weight we carry when we're always judging and trying to get them back on our track, right? Just night and day. (laughs) Absolutely. And we can take that weight off of ourselves and off of our children. And it frees up energy to create these amazing relationships that last throughout our lives. And I think the other piece that can't really be overstated too is that 
when when we're coming in with that judgment and control, we're we're really short circuiting the learning. We're really not allowing them to learn about themselves. So if we, you know, if they love something intensely, but we're saying mm, that doesn't align, that's not as academic as we want it. That's not as you know sporty as we want it. Whatever the thing is then they're left doubting what they're loving, what they're thinking. And so this process of them discovering who they really are is just being tamped down and short-circuited by us, which then just spills into their adulthood. And what we're doing is what they're learning is about us. Yep. (laughs) Sports is important to us, you know, that we love love soccer or we think that's important. And back to our last episode, the self-awareness piece, we are not helping them gain any self-awareness when what they're learning is about us and what our priorities are. They're not having a chance to explore the things that they like and what their priorities are and to have those experiences. There's nothing wrong with an experience that they after say, I don't want to have that experience again. (laughs) That's complete learning. (laughs) Learning And it just makes for a richer experience. You know, again, we've, we've talked about in the last episodes, this kind of, when we go tunnel vision with this outcome or solution, we're missing the richness. We're missing the tapestry that comes from all the uniqueness of the people around us. And so I, I, I just, I don't know, I'm excited that we're talking about just celebrating our child. So, um, and, and all the people around us, really, this is just about celebrating the people around us and their uniqueness. Um, so a few questions to consider for this week. In what ways have you celebrated your child for the person they are? What does your child love? How do you see it as a part of who they are? That's a big one because sometimes it's hard. The things they love, maybe we don't understand it. Why are they so fascinated by that? Why do they keep wanting to go down that one path? But really sink in with that. Those are great questions for us to ask ourselves, right? As we're talking about peeling back those layers. If we don't understand, that doesn't mean immediately stop them. It means, oh, why? Why is this very interesting to them? And yeah, it's amazing what you discover when you start peeling back those layers for yourself. Yeah. And just lean in, lean into that excitement from them and just kind of bask in that piece and you'll learn a lot, you know, and then what visions did you hold of having children? How has that vision helped or harmed your relationship with your actual children? (laughs) And there's a distinction. Yeah, there's a distinction for sure. The children in our head are not always the children we have in front of us. Um, Take some time this week to think about your family and how you are all individuals. See and celebrate the differences. Again, this is for every member, you know, adults and kids alike. What, how different does that feel to think we're all celebrating the uniqueness? We're all there in it together, supporting one another. It's just such a different feeling. Yeah. And I think that is a place where we can all connect too, as we're talking about connection, is that Mm -hmm. we can each find the things that light us up and we can connect through the fact that they light us up. We can celebrate that joy, that fun. Oh, you love that so much. I love this just as much. It's so fun when we get a chance to do it and we don't want to do anything else. And like conversations can go there. Does connecting with our kids or our partner doesn't mean that we have to love the thing they love as much as they do. But it means seeing how much they love that, celebrating how much they love that, supporting them to do it as much as they would like to be able to do it, like all those pieces. It it 
it really is when you can peel that apart that I have to love it as much, but oh no, I can celebrate that they love it that much. And then I can think about the things that I love that much. Like there is just, it's just so rich. Like the world opens up for the family as well. And I think what you'll notice very quickly is how people respond to that, how they open up more and tell you more and feel more trust and feel more seen and heard. Like so quickly that will happen when you start to celebrate the things that they love and really take an interest. Again, that doesn't mean you have to jump in and join them, but just taking an interest, whether it's a video game or a sports thing or a music music thing or an academic thing, whatever it is, you know, just giving that time for that connection is just so rich and important. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope to see you next time. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate you being here with us as we explore ways to improve our relationships and understand ourselves better. You can find us on Instagram at Living Joyfully Podcast and join us next week as we dig deep, challenge paradigms, choose connection, and live joyfully.